Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Gentlemen, open your text, page 21 of the introduction. Mr. Perry, will you read the opening paragraph of the preface entitled Understanding Poetry? Understanding Poetry by Dr. J. Evans Pritchard, Ph.D. To fully understand poetry, we must first be fluent with its meter, rhyme, and figures of speech, then ask two questions. One, how artfully has the objective of the poem been rendered? And two, how important is that objective? Question one rates the poem's perfection. Question two rates its importance. And once these questions have been answered, determining the poem's greatness becomes a relatively simple matter. If the poem's score for perfection is plotted on the horizontal of a graph, and its importance is plotted on the vertical, then calculating the total area of the poem yields the measure of its greatness. A sonnet by Byron might score high on the vertical, but only average on the horizontal. A Shakespearean sonnet, on the other hand, would score high both horizontally and vertically, yielding a massive total area thereby revealing the poem to be truly great. As you proceed through the poetry in this book, practice this rating method. As your ability to evaluate poems in this manner grows, so will, so will your enjoyment and understanding of poetry. Excrement. That's what I think of Mr. J. Evans Pritchard. We're not laying pipe. We're talking about poetry. How can you describe poetry like American bandstand? Well, I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to him. Now, I want you to rip out that page. Go on. Rip out the entire page. You heard me. Rip it out. Rip it out! Go on. Rip it out! Thank you, Mr. Dalton. Gentlemen, tell you what, not just tear out that page, tear out the entire introduction. I want it gone. History, leave nothing of it. Rip it out. Rip. Be gone, J. Evans Pritchard, PhD. Rip, shred, tear, rip it out. I want to hear nothing but ripping of Mr. Pritchard. We'll perforate it, put it on a roll. Is that the Bible? You're not going to go to hell for this. Make a clean tear. I want nothing left of it. All right. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pastor Tom. Welcome to Liquid Church. And for those of you listening and watching online, listen, I know this is really awkward. A little bit, you might feel a little uncomfortable. Would you do me a favor, though? When you walked in today, you should have found one of these on your seats. Go ahead and pick it up. Go ahead right now and uh, just turn to any random page. Again, this isn't going to make you feel awkward. It's okay. I got permission. Go ahead and turn any single page you want and just grab it with two hands like this. Let me see you grab it up here. Show me. Show me that you got it. Come on now. You got Guys, come on. This is the 11 o'clock. You guys are awake. All right. Here we go. Everyone show. I don't see everyone. All right. And on the count of three, we're going to go. Okay. One, two. Come on, guys. This is my first time preaching. I'm not going to go there. 
But you know, seriously, I want to welcome you to part two of this brand new you series. This is a series where we're exploring God's design for our change, a lifestyle makeover that only happens from the inside out. It's actually a very comprehensive uh, change. The Bible talks about it. It sums it up all in that verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, last week, Pastor Tim, he actually took us on that first part of that journey, that first concept, love the Lord your God with all your heart by checking in your baggage, right? By challenging us to acknowledge and confront some of the sources of our heavy hearts and challenging us to bring them, first of all, to Christ, Second of all, maybe even to a counselor, but third and always within the context of the community. The heart is crucial. It's absolutely essential to this brand new you, this changing of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, this inside out life change is a truth we see repeated throughout all of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And as early on as we, uh, as the verse that we just mentioned, this verse is actually found in the book of Deuteronomy. This time I'm serious. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy, actually page 128 there. This time there will be no ripping, okay? Uh, 128, and Deuteronomy, as you'll remember, is this book where Moses leads the people out of, uh, of God out of the wilderness. You're thinking Charlton Heston here, right? He leads these people out. And at one point, Moses turns to the people of God, and he says, some of you actually have this memorized, but that's okay. Let's read this together now. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. Let's read it together. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now understand this, folks. For the people of God back then, that little command in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, this was like the ultimate Command. This was like the one where little children would sing these commands in songs. This is like where the grandmothers would crochet and embroider anything they got their hands on. This is the command that you'd find on the mantle on top of a fireplace in any good and godly Jewish home. It actually had its own special name called the Shema. It's Hebrew for here. Let's say it together. Shema. Shema. There we go. One more time. Shema. Right? Here. This is like the one where uh, everyone knew this. You know, it's, it is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Everybody who's anybody knew the Shema. They respected the Shema. This was like the one thing you just did not mess with. This was the one thing. This is like, this is like the, our apple pie. This is like nobody in this room would ever go hunting for like a bald eagle, right? Nobody in here would ever tinker with baseball. And that's what the Shema was to the people of God back then. Yet Jesus, surprise, surprise, thousands of years later would actually spice things up a little bit here. And just turn with me here. Keep one finger in Deuteronomy and turn with me to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And there we'll see what Jesus does. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
You see that there? You see it right there? Just underline that with me, for would you? That, that phrase, that new phrase there, and with all your mind. Just underline that phrase that he added there, and with all your mind. And so the reason why we're underlining is this is no fluke here. This is not an accident because, again, in the second book of the New Testament, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. There's this teacher of the law, and he comes up to Jesus. He's like a pro at the law. He's a pro at the Torah, right? And he says, okay, Jesus, so of the 600, over 600 laws and ordinances and commandments found in my Torah that I've been memorizing since I was a little boy, Jesus, you tell me, what's the most important one? And what is Jesus' answer in Mark chapter 12, verse 29? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Sounds familiar. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see right there again, say it with me, the good old Shema. The good old Shema is right there again, except for the fact that Jesus is and Jesus adds this little addition with all your mind. He added that in there. And then, you can take my word for this, later on in the third book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, someone actually quotes this Shema 2.0 version to Jesus. And Jesus knowingly agrees. And he doesn't even blink. And so you're getting the idea here. It's in there in Luke 10.27 as well. But you know, the fact that Jesus adds this mind factor shouldn't really surprise us at all. Because after all... We've all been created in the image of God, right? When you think about it, no pun intended, first page of the Bible, right? God, we were created in his image. And so one of the most unique and beautiful and amazing qualities about being made in God's image is the capacity. It's the power to think. No other creature can do that the way that we can. To honor God, to love God with our mind. This is an amazing thing. Now, I want to be careful here and say that we're not just talking about this sort of James Evans Pritchard, PhD, type of thinking or type of using your mind. No, this is not, we're not just talking about this academic, sterile, lifeless, turning something as beautiful and as passionate, as life-giving, as, as, as poetry, uh, into some sort of dots on some XY axis of a Cartesian chart. We're not talking about that. No, we're talking about a mind that's actually far more advanced if you think about it, far more complicated, far more beautiful than something like that. We're talking about something where your relationship with God takes place. Let's put it this way. Your mind, your mind is actually where God engages you first. Just listen, for instance, to the way that God approached this man named Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah, the first chapter, verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't that amazing? How in a passage that we typically associate as this sort of invitation that, that pulls at the heartstrings of an individual, and it really does, the first move is actually for your mind. Come now, let us reason together, invites God. You see, it all starts right here 
in your brain, in your mind. But now, here's the catch. The mind isn't just the starting point. It's not just the starting place. It's not like when you become Christian, you can all of a sudden, okay, all right, now I'm a Christian, now I can just turn off my mind. No, as a matter of fact, as a believer, although you're encouraged to always check in your baggage, right? Pastor Tim did a good job of explaining that last week. Check in your baggage. You're always encouraged to do that. But you are never, you are never asked to check out in terms of your mind. You're never going to be asked that. So if that's the case, I have a question for you then. What is your plan to engage your mind this year, to grow and expand in your intellect and understanding of God? What is your plan? I mean, we're still in January, right? Not, not all of our resolutions are broken yet, although I, I messed up mine for a weight loss. But anyways, not, it, it, we, we still got a shot here. So what's your plan to actually love the Lord your God with all your mind? Because many will just take what we've heard so far, and and with the best of intentions, really, with good intentions, they're going to just start thinking. You're going to just start thinking of things like, uh, oh yeah, well, um, you know, this person, he was really sweet, he gave me this book to read and uh, uh, for Christmas, and I, I, I'm going to read this book. Or, you know, I, I plan on uh, going online and joining an online course or something like that. But notice what happens there. Notice what just happened. The question was, what is your plan to engage your mind and our default knee-jerk reaction is to think of mere information exchange. Just, just sort of transferring of facts and details from one body to another body. And so somewhere, somehow, so quickly, we've forgotten that the whole reason why we were given a mind, the whole reason we're supposed to grow and expand in our intellect is to love God. That's the reason. That was the whole point of the command, to love the Lord your God with all your mind. You see, we can't forget that it's not just about information transfer. It's not just about this exchange of facts, but it's always about this growing relationship, first with God and then with all of you with all of the others. Love the Lord your God, and what's the second command after that? Love your neighbor as well. So, you know, I got to say, I'm actually with Robin Williams on this one. Be gone, Mr. James Evans Pritchard, PhD. I mean, I can understand learning. I can understand the love for learning. I'm all for that, but not if it just ends there, you know? Uh, Because learning itself is never an end. It needs to be the means to an end. And in scripture, that end is more often than not a better relationship with God and a better relationship with you, with others. And you know, while we're at it, it's just, it, it, just to make it abundantly clear that no one is saying, hey, if you don't have a Mensa, you know, society level IQ, that you don't have what it takes to be a, live a good and fulfilling and happy Christian life. No one is saying that. I, I don't know where we get these ideas from, but no one is saying that. It kind of reminds me of this article that my wife showed me this past week, most recent article of Newsweek, There's an article in there that serves up this sort of healthy dose of reality to young and ambitious parents uh, like me, I confess. It basically kind of jabs at you and says, psst, psst, guess what, guess what? 
You know, your kids are great and all, you know, they're really cute and all, and, uh, but chances are their IQ score probably isn't in the top 2% of the world's population. And, and though you must be so proud that little Sally, you know, can already count at the young age of like whatever, eight months, two years, whatever. And though you must be so proud that little Bobby can bang his toys with something that you call rhythm, Chances are you don't have the next Einstein on your hands. Chances are you don't have the next Mozart living in your house. But you know what? That's okay. It's okay. Why? Listen to how she concludes this article. I'm starting to think being smart is overrated. We all know adults who are super smart, but somehow never learned. Oh gosh, this is so true. You can think of this person right now. Somehow never learned the basic playground rules about how to play with others. Do you notice the emphasis on relationship here? This is not even the Bible I'm quoting. This is your latest Newsweek, okay? Uh, and while it would be nice if my child turns out to be gifted, sure, why not? It would be even better if she understood how to be kind, confident, and happy. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen Devaney, for taking us out. That's right. Taking us out of the ivory tower and back down to earth, back down to our relationships and where we eat, live, and breathe every day. Folks, when we say the people of God need to be using our minds, we're not trying to guilt you or make you feel dumb if you don't have a PhD or aren't pursuing one. If that's your thing, that's great. Okay, that's wonderful. But what we're really saying is, if you want to maintain an ongoing and ongrowing relationship with Jesus and those around you for that matter, you just can't check your brain in at the door. You can't live life on this sort of mental autopilot. You need to intentionally engage your mind for the benefit of relationship. Now, for anyone following Christ, you know that the best way to engage your mind is right here, to engage it with the mind of God. This is how you're going to get it, right here. And this happens when you read the Bible and when you start to meditate on the scriptures and when you start to pray. Because like anything else in life, you start thinking and acting differently based on what you put in your head, right? And so, but it's also a huge challenge, we have to admit. It's actually a huge challenge because everyday life <laughs> uh, proves to be pretty, um, uh, pretty much a daily battlefield that's dead set against you engaging your mind, especially of the things of God. It's, it's, it's just rigged that way. It's, it's, it's against you. And this is what the Apostle Paul gets at when he encourages us here. He's talking about living our daily lives and this attitude of worship, this life of worship, this relationship with him. Turn with me, would you, to Romans 12, chapter 2. Romans 12. And this is kind of where we're anchoring our, 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 our message today. Do not conform. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, it's, this is our anchor verse. This is where we're going to dwell today. Would you go ahead and just circle that word there? Conform that first. That actually, technically, it's the second verb there. Conform. And, and now we all know. We all know what it means to conform, right? Uh, this is the idea of being so compliant that you basically take on the shape or form or whatever it is that confronts you, 
Right? In fact, we say things, right? To be honest, a little confession here. We actually say things like, oh, you know, oh, so-and-so is such a conformist. You know, can't think for themselves, you know, kind of like a robot, you know. Conformity is literally a way of non-thinking. And so, not to sound all James Evans Pritchard PhD-ish, but this verb tense used here is actually the present imperative, meaning there's this ongoing, perpetual, continual nature to this thing. This ongoing. So what Paul is saying is that this, you, you are naturally, in, in our natural tendency is to continually, ongoingly, perpetually live life without thinking. This is what Paul is saying when he says, do not conform. Because our tendency is to perpetually live without thinking, without having our minds renewed in order to love God and others as well. And of course, when we don't think, when we don't think, well, oh God, I don't, don't want to, okay. When we don't think, the best we can do is react. I mean, honestly, how many of you here, just, just be honest with me, and you can raise your hands, you've had enough coffee, all right? How many of you here don't have the time of day through the course of your everyday life to actually think through what you're going to do? Can I see a, a, some hands out there? Is anyone out there like this? I mean, I'm like this. I don't have the time of day to actually think, to put a complete thought together. Life is coming at you so fast and furious. All you can do is react, right? You don't have time to sit there for an hour and meditate on something, right? But when we check our minds at the door, it has devastating effects on our relationships. There are days when I wake up and I spend some time reading the Bible and I get to pray and I just get in this right frame of mind and I, I can think clearly and I just feel like this is great. And it lasts throughout the day. And I'm thinking, this must be what it's like to really be living. But then there are other days. And uh, I ain't got time for none of that. I can't be, I can't be reading the Bible. I can't be spending time praying. I got to be on the go. I got to be on the move. I got to react. You know what I'm talking about. And so like, this happened to me like last Tuesday. I get up a little bit late, but not too much, and I gotta eat. I, I gotta have my coffee, right? So I'm I'm shoving this bagel down my throat, and I I got my cup of coffee, and I'm out the door, okay? Because I gotta go. And uh, there I am. I'm driving, and there's this lady in front of me, and she she can't make up her mind. She she's stopping and going. She's on the cell phone. Her head cocks back like this, you know. And, and then all of a sudden she breaks and stops. And I gotta break and I gotta stop. And all of a sudden I, I spill my little coffee, and I'm just like, oh man. But it's no big deal, right? But the thing is, I just make it worse. I start. I get so angry, and I'm. I just. I start banging the armrest. Now there's coffee all over me, all over the place. And I just. I look down, and I got these brown wet spots in my crotch area and I just I'm thinking to myself what is going on because you know what when I don't think I just react finally get to work right and I get the stains you know the coffee stains out of my pants finally and and uh we got this 10 o'clock, you know, the staff meeting that we go to. I got to prepare for that a little bit right and oh things going on throughout the day and and you know it's just it's just that it's just that I'm so busy, right? And uh, about an hour or two later, 
Tim comes up to me. It's my week to preach, right? He comes up to me. This is Tuesday morning. And he's like, okay, Tommy, you got, you got the sermon. It's all ready to go, locked and loaded, right? And yeah, this is like my first week preaching, man. It's like Tuesday, I'm thinking. What's going on here? I thought it was a joke. And I look over, and almost on cue, Mikey comes up, waltzing up to me with his, with his white jeans, right, and his long golden locks, right? And he's like, yo, Tommy, uh, we need those uh, staging and media team schedules. And I'm just like, oh, okay, guys, you know, I'm the new guy. I don't want to cause no trouble, right? So I just thought, okay, guys, and they go away, and like, I'm just so upset. I'm so stressed out, right? And my keyboard, like the stupid T button, it's like stuck. The internet's out, and my screen's frozen, and I don't want to say anything, but I'm just, I'm banging on things, and I'm just like, you know, because when I don't think, I just react. And, and you know what? So, so I'm just a little upset, right? You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay, but I'm going to work through this. I'm going to be a good Christian man, and I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to be all this stuff, right? And uh, it's about lunchtime. My wife, you know, she made for me like this. She got me this pot pie at Stop and Shop, you know? And I'm so excited about this thing because, you know, I've been kind of stressed out, not having a good day, but this is my moment of margin. And so... All of a sudden, I I go, I'm going to the kitchen, about to get my nice little pot pie, right? And I see this big rat over there. His name is Glenn. And uh, he's munching away at my lunch. And like, that's my one moment of peace. You don't mess with the man's food. And he's just, hey, Tommy, can I help you? Yeah, you can help me because when I don't think, I react. Okay, all right, all right, so that's lunch, you know, and uh, I'm okay, I'm okay, because, all right, it's no problem, Glenn, I'll just go to Burger King, I get my lunch, and uh, I got this counseling meeting, you know, and uh, somebody, he's got, he's going through a little bit of uh, tough times in his life right now, and I want to be a good pastor, I want to, I want to counsel with him, and and uh, he comes over to me and he gets up, he leans really close to me and he starts talking and he starts, ah, and, and Pastor Tom, and, uh, and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what did you have, garlic for breakfast? And I'm, oh my gosh, for the love of God, brother, have you ever heard of Listerine? Because when I don't think, I just react. Not exactly the best day in the office, but you know, finally it's like I get up out of the office and I'm finally going home and it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock at this point and I'm just feeling so bad because, you know, I told the girls that I'd be home early today. All last week, I, I get, I'm getting home at crazy hours and, and I, I just, I'm walking up the steps and then all of a sudden, what, what, <laughs> I tickled Elmo. You know what I'm talking about? You know that yeah, that toy and uh, and and I, you know if I told these kids once, I've told them a thousand times to please pick up your toys. And you know what do I get? What do I get from the oldest one? You know what I get? I get. No, I'll do it later. Oh yeah, I'll show you later. I'll show you later. Cause what I don't think, I just. Ah. Oh man, that felt good. Oh. Cause you know, 
All right. At this point, I've just like really blown it. You know, the whole house is up. I killed Elmo. I'm just like, I'm in the doghouse now, you know, and all I want to do at this point is just run away. I just want to escape. I just want to, I just want to go downstairs to the basement. And that's because I'm in the doghouse now. That's where I'm sleeping. I'm going to go downstairs to the basement. I'm going to turn on that tube and I just want to turn off my mind. You know, I just want to turn on that TV and I just want to turn off my mind, you know, because, because this, even though I haven't been thinking all day, I just want to veg. Do you ever feel like you just want to veg? And, uh, and this is what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm sitting in front of this TV and this is where I want to sleep. This is how I want to end my day. Just not thinking about anything because when I don't think, when I don't think, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Because when you do, and this thing's for real, when you do, this right here, this is what you end up with. Okay, I know, I'm the, I'm the pastor that killed Elmo. I feel horrible. All right, you know you wanted to anyways. And, you, you end up with broken relationships. You demolish the people around you, yourself, your relationship with God. This is all you end up with, relational destruction. When you conform to the patterns of this world, when you walk through life not thinking, mental autopilot, just reacting, you destroy your relationships with God and with everyone that's near you, leaving you nothing but with broken pieces and a big old pile of junk. I love this quote from Bernard Barrick. He was this, basically this advisor to Presidents Woodrow Wilson and FDR, probably someone we can learn a thing or two from. He said this, Whatever failures I have known, whatever errors I have committed, whatever follies I have witnessed in private and in public life have been the consequence of action without thought. Action without thought. That's conformity. And that's a problem because remember now, we've been made in the image of God and God, he doesn't just react willy-nilly, okay? He's a very purposeful and deliberate God and so it it shouldn't surprise us really that we also were created, we've been designed so that our thoughts lead to actions and our actions determine and they define our relationships, it's like uh, my wife, Erica, you know, she knows, she, she knows when I've been thinking and loving on her, whenever I remember, when I remember moments before we're about to leave the house to go wherever, to actually go upstairs and help my wife with our two daughters. When I help get them cleaned and brushed up and clothed and ready to to go out into the public, right? So that we're not a bunch of freaks and looking like, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, when I actually get her uh, and help her to get these two little munchkins running around ready to go out, 
Uh, she, she knows I'm thinking about her. I'm loving her. Instead of what usually happens, my confession, is me just being downstairs in my own little world, doing my own little things, mindless of the war that's happening upstairs as she's chasing these kids, trying to get them ready. It's so different, right? She knows what I've been thinking about her, and my actions demonstrate that thought. You know, truth be told, I don't know if she's in here right now, but she's actually said that's a little bit sexy when I do that. So uh, maybe I got some other motives as well. But so, so you see, it all starts. You get the point, though. It all starts in your mind. It starts in your mind, and it goes out through your life. I think my in-laws are here. I just saw them. Anyways, which is why... Anyways, which is why it makes so much sense that Paul goes on, and, and, and look at this, don't conform, don't, for the love of God, don't conform, but be transformed. There's, there's something going on. Don't conform, but be transformed. Transformed. Go ahead and please circle that word. Transformed. Don't conform, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Conform versus transform. Or in the original Greek, metamorphomai, which is where, of course, we get our word metamorphosis. You all know Greek. You see that? A striking change or alteration from one state to a completely another one, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. So check this. Paul is actually saying, rather than constantly and reactively conform to this non-thinking pattern of the world, be actively changing, continually moving towards this new creation, this new life, this brand new you. Through the word of God that you may know, you, you, you just know that you absolutely crave that life, don't you? You crave that brand new you. And, you know, not without coincidence, God wants that for you as well. Okay? It's actually what God wants and designed for you. And it all starts right here by the renewing of your mind. By intentionally positioning yourself to learn more about God so that you can be transformed changed dramatically by his love. I love the way that the message um, paraphrase renders Romans 12 too. Don't be so well adjust, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out cuz that after all is what we're talking about. Change from the inside out. Remember, renewing your mind is not simply about information exchange because that information exchange itself is dumbing things down. I don't know what your idea of dumbing things down, watering things down is, but just information exchange, that's dumbing things down. No, this is about a truth that leads to life change, life transformation. You see, there's actually this one scene in the gospel, puts it to you like this. The gospel of John where 
there were these religious zealots, basically these guys that they just, they just knew everything, right? They, they've been studying the scriptures. They had the Torah memorized since they were little boys, okay? And they were not shy, by the way, of letting you know that they know that they knew. You know what I mean? You, you ever meet these kind of people? Okay. They were not shy about that. And they start debating with Jesus and they start persecuting him a little bit. And he starts turn, Jesus turns to them and he actually says, you gotta love this. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So there's a real danger there. Whenever we study the Bible or theology or acquire more information about God, and, and that, if it doesn't lead to this life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, that's dangerous. Friends, don't miss the point here. There should be no divorce between diligently studying the scriptures and a growing, increasing, deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no divorce there. So if your head is growing and it's just, you know, it's just puffing up, puffing up, but your relationship with Christ and with others is somehow diminishing, uh, if, if your mind is tick, 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 ticking, but your heart is just, it's just like shrinking and shriveling up and, and your hands are limp, that's something. But that's not Christianity. That's not what Christianity is about. That's not the life Jesus intended for you. Take another look with me here at the following scene from Dead Poet Society again. And this is after they've kind of ripped up the pages of academia and sterileness. Okay, and, and notice here too that there's an emphasis that he makes on a type of learning that is more than just information exchange, but a type of learning, a type of thinking, a type of mind that is about life change. Means of academics going forward, measuring poetry. No, we will not have that here. No more, Mr. J. Evans Pritchard. Now, my class, you will learn to think for yourselves again. You will learn to savor words and language. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Now, see that look in Mr. Pitt's eye, like 19th century literature, has nothing to do with going to business school or medical school, right? Maybe. Mr. Hopkins, you may agree with them, thinking, yes, we should simply study our Mr. Pritchard and learn our rhyme and meter and go quietly about the business of achieving other ambitions. A little secret for you. Huddle up. Huddle up! We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish. What good amid these, O oh me, O oh life? Answer, that you are here. That life exists and identity. 
that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? So how about it, folks? What will your verse be? What will your life be? Is it just going to be about this sort of mindless information exchange? Is it just going to be about, uh, you know, just conforming to the ways of this world? Or is it going to be something else, something greater? And if so, what is your intentional plan against, non, uh, against conformity? What is your plan for non-conformity? What's your intentional plan to transform? Not conform, but to transform by this renewing of your mind. Where is that? How do you plan to love the Lord your God more and deeply and increasingly with your mind this new year? Can I offer you two next steps? Uh, the first one here is actually an ancient practice that's kind of become a, a sort of a lost art. It's found in Psalm 119, and it's put in this kind of question and answer format. The question is, how can a young man keep his way pure? And the answer is, by living according to your word. And look at what it says next. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. See, the ancients had a practice of internalizing scripture. We know this is scripture memory, right? Uh, to, to so meditate on the mind of God, not just my mind, but what is the mind of God? The mind of God that I take it inside, I, I take it inside, I put it down there, I put it inside of me, internalize this scripture so that I always have something to draw on. So that when the pressures of everyday life come squeezing in on me, I have something there inside of me, hidden in my heart, right on my mind. Because when you remember back to that crazy guy in the woods with the goggles, you know, wielding that medieval uh, Thor-like weapon there, right? The problem with him, and he has lots, believe me, but, but the problem with that guy in that particular scene, though, was that he was just reacting. He was just drawing from within his own resources and the world around him. It's like when you're in, your, in, you're in the office, right? And, and you know how this goes. Your phone rings and your friend's on the other line and, and he's talking about someone and it's just, it's just so juicy, you know? It's just so delicious. All this gossip about this. Person. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I heard that she did. Because when you do that, what are you, you're just reacting. You're just drawing from whatever you've got around you. But what if, what if that particular morning, you had hidden a verse like Ephesians 4.29 in your mind. You had meditated on you had you, You've got it on, on, your, on your windshield or as you're driving or whatever. And you have this Ephesians 4.29 in, in your heart, in your mind. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your eyes, but only what is beneficial to others, building others up, etc., etc. Then all of a sudden, it's like, it's like when you're on that phone, it's not, it's, it's not just about sin management here, okay? It's not, it's not just, oh, no, no. But, but it's, like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to go there. You know, because you're definitely going to respond differently. You're going to react differently. Maybe even, maybe even preserve a relationship when you have this to draw from. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, alarm you or anything here, but you may not even recognize yourself if you have something internal to withdraw from. 
Okay? To withdraw, uh, to, 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 to take out. God's word permeating your mind and your heart. If you actually had that, you, you know what? You may, have, you may have a brand new you. So Liquid Church, you know, this is exactly what we're going to do here. We're going to take a step together every Sunday for the year of 2008, and we're going to commit to our minds a little bit of Scripture. Now, you may have already noticed in your bulletins there, we have this new and, uh, you know, even, even new and improved, more slim bulletin there. Even, even our bulletins went on a diet here. And uh, you'll notice that right there in the sermon notes section there, the word Scripture memory verse, and then there's a blank line there. Um, for the rest of the year, we'll identify, Tim and I will identify the, the key verse for that particular day, that as a church together, as a community together, we're going to commit God's word to, to our memory, to our hearts, and ask for his grace and his strength to help us incarnate this, not just throughout the week, but throughout our lives. And so that by the end of the year, you're going to have over 50 verses locked and loaded. You know, you can have these 50 verses in your heart to withdraw from and in, in your mind so that you can live it out. And to get us going, we're going to start actually with today's verse. And I know some of you are going to say, oh, well, it's not even the whole verse. It's just the first. I, we, we know we're, we're taking baby steps today. You know, by September, we'll be doing whole chapters. So don't worry about it. But Romans 12, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, and we'll call it A since it's just the first part there. Let's read this together. Okay, this is going to be our first verse for this new year. We're going to hide it in our hearts, hide it in our minds. Okay, let's read it together. Together, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's do it again. Romans 12, 2a. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Awesome. That's what we're going to do. Scripture memory is the first step towards mind renewal. Now, the second thing that I like to suggest for you, uh, suggest for you for this new year is this. Something, it's, it's actually, this is uh, something I'm really jazzed about. And whether you've been here for years, you've been coming every Sunday, or maybe today is your first Sunday, uh, this is actually a really good time to, to go on the internet, go on your, uh, go check out our new website and shop some of our new life classes we got here. Just go online here. Are we up there? All right. And you want to go www.liquidchurch.com. And what do you want to do? You want to get involved and you want to find a friend because you're going to find lots of friends in these classes. And here we go. All right. Life groups. You got your life groups, life classes, just for fun clubs. Look at that cute picture of, uh, okay. All right. Here we go. Laura and Bob. Okay. Click here for the current menu for life classes. This is what we want to do here. We are offering four new classes. Signups have already begun. So you want to check that out. Tim talked about last week, these first two here, boundaries and inner journey. This is really going beyond the surface level of your life, exploring that. If you skip down with me here to Crown Financial, this is a renewed way of thinking about your money. This is a class, actually, I need to take. And then also you got here, Christianity 101. Now, I'm not trying to say anything, but I heard that that's a pretty good class. I mean, it might be because I'm teaching. I don't know. I'm just a little biased here. But this is a class about theology. Theo, Godology, the study of this, we're studying God, this basic Christian theology doctrines here. And, and let me, let me just pause here and say, you know, I, I, I love studying theology. Okay. I love studying period, actually. I'm kind of one of those freak cases, but I, and, and I love studying theology even more. In fact, I love it so much. I've devoted a, a good portion of my adult life to actually pursuing the study of God. And what I've enjoyed most in all my graduate and doctoral work is this, jumping into the Bible with both feet first. 
You know, reading, soaking up these commentaries and these journals, reading about church history, uh, putting my mind around the original languages, etc., etc., increasing my mind, increasing my understanding of God and His Word. That, that just gets me excited. I just, I love that. I I, but, but here's the deal, okay? Along the way, every day really, I need to constantly check my motives to make sure that I'm just not falling in love with myself and my brain, that I'm just not acquiring all this sort of information and interesting nuances and concepts and and ideas and getting lost. I have to make sure, I have to check myself that I'm not just getting lost in all this information itself as if that were the point. Because again, information transfer acquisition of facts is never the point the point of any study any class any learning is love it's love there's a big difference between learning about god and actually growing in love for god and for others Such a huge difference. Mind renewal is supposed to result in heart expansion. It's about relationship. Remember that first command. It's about relationship. The point is not learning for learning's sake. The point is learning for love's sake. Because if I'm just expanding in my mind and my heart is somehow shrinking in that process, I've totally blown it. So catch this. If, if you sign up for a class like Christianity 101, which is really an introduction to systematic theology, you're going to learn lots of incredible things about God and about yourself. I mean, you need to pursue the logical answers for your faith. You should know things like how we got our Bible, why we think it's true, uh, how we know that God exists, what the history of the church is about, what the core tenets of the Christian faith are. You should know these things. I mean, faith is not simply a feeling. You should have logical answers to not only what you believe, but why you believe what you believe. You should know this, right? And if, and if you don't believe, that's okay too, because we have a class for you. It's called Starting Point, Great Place. But in a lot of ways, when I teach theology, when I teach a class like Christianity 101, if you walk away with all sorts of stuff in your head, if you walk away with more information, your mind filled up, but you don't experience life transformation, actually expanding in your heart and increasing in your love for God and for others, if you don't walk away with a more transformed life and a huger heart, I will have failed as your guide. That's on me. The point of learning of all study, especially around here, people. That's why I love this place. The point of learning and of all study is not just knowledge about God, but about love for God and for others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind. Invest every part of your being growing in that relationship and you're going to begin to see a brand new you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good and so awesome. And I'm just, Father, I'm just so in love with you. And God, thank you for just creating us in your image that 
that you would invite a man like Isaiah, like you invite each of us, to come reason with you, that we were created in your image with this, with this wonderful gift called the mind. And, and, and thank you, Lord, that, that we can love you through our mind, and we want to grow. And, and Father, it's so easy, we just confess, it's so easy to just kind of forget about things and just go in this mental autopilot way and just react to things and react without really thinking and withdrawing upon ourselves and the things outside of us instead of your word. But Father, won't you give us a love for your word, a love for your truth, an increased appetite for your own mind and transform us, transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord. We thank you so much. We love you, Lord. Because of our time spent together, we are falling more in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.